Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Welcome to the Corner of Truth and Courage. Thank you for joining us here today. One of the main missions of Fortress of Faith is to call America back to revival. We deal with a number of subjects and topics, and you know we call our radio program Fortress of Faith. We're trying to strengthen the saints of God to stand for righteousness and to stand against evil when, when wrong and evil comes into our community. Uh, we need uh, God's people to have courage to stand up and to be salt and light and to speak against it. But we also, and that's one of the things of Islam, that's why we focus on Islam as false teaching that is growing across the world. And we're, we're not anti-Muslims. We, we love Muslims. We want Muslims to come to know Christ as their Savior. And thankfully, we have learned of over about 120 Muslims who've come to Christ as a result of the teaching ministries here at Fortress of Faith. And, and we're so grateful for that and desire for many, many more to be saved. And so we're not anti-Muslim. We are anti-Islam. We're anti-Muhammad, uh, a false religion, a false prophet, a false teaching that's leading millions of people into an eternity without Christ. And so we must oppose it. Plus, it's an ideology that, if given an opportunity, uh, its history is very clear. It will destroy Christianity. It will destroy freedom. It will destroy the values that we have here in the West if we don't uh, stand up to it. But that's not our main purpose. Our main purpose is to warn our countrymen that if we do not return back to God, if we do not humble ourselves and pray and, and seek his face, then we're going to be candidates of God's judgment, God's wrath. Islam, I believe, is going to be one of God's uh, instruments of judgment upon us if we do not repent. And so maybe you're kind of new listening to Fortress of Faith. Those of you who've been listening to us now for 11, 12 years, you, you, you know what our goal is. But I want to return from, uh, from time to time back to this subject of revival. And if you are a student of revival, if you've read any length of, on this topic and subject, you're soon to come across a gentleman by the name of Leonard Ravenhill. Leonard Ravenhill is a British man, now passed away into glory. He was born in Leeds. I used to pastor just north of Leeds in Harrogate, about a half an hour north of Leeds. I spent 29 years of my life over in Britain as a missionary in church planning. Well, he was born in Leeds in North Yorkshire in the, what, 1907 served as a missionary overseas and used of God in a mighty, mighty way himself in revival work. But what a student of revival and what a uh, an author and teacher on the subject of revival. His probably most notable book is Why Revival Tarries. Over a million copies of that has been sold worldwide. And if you're ever going to be a serious pastor and preacher, desiring revival, and you haven't come across Leonard Ravenhill and start reading him and following his, uh, his teachings and his preaching, he has um, researched so much on revival. And of course, he's in that stopgap period of time where we had very little revival um, in, in those days, in those years, but he was kind of a bridge to people who experienced 
revivals in Wales and uh, and um, and in Scotland and in Ireland and other parts of of Europe. And so, you know, his age and the people he met that that were alive during that time, I have a little bit of experience, but nothing like uh, Leonard Ravenhill did. And so what I want to do today, we're going to hear from him. And I'm going to play for you a interview he is uh, given. He's discussing and talking to a gentleman. And uh, he's talking about the revival of, of William Booth. William Booth is the founder of the Salvation Army. Now, the Salvation Army isn't today what it was in the early days, but uh, what a powerful preacher William Booth was and, and how God used him. God's anointing was upon this man in, in uh, preaching uh, the gospel, and sinners literally uh, just shook there before God and trembled and called on the Lord to save them. Oh, would to God that would happen again, that we would see the moving of God on men today. I pray for that. I pray for it for my ministry. I pray for it for the ministries of others, of, uh, of God's preachers, that we would have God's anointing on us. And I want you to listen here in a moment to this testimony, not just of William Booth, but also as he transitions into some of his own ministry in the early days of how God moved. And I hope that as you listen, now I must warn you, he's got a very strong accent. He's up in years when he's being interviewed here. He's going to be a little hard to understand, so tune your ear in. It's worth listening to, and I hope it will not just bless you, but challenge you to pray that God would do these things again in our day. Here we go. She said, well, come and have some tea and and we'll talk. So here's a gray-haired fellow sitting. And I said to him, well, it's a privilege to come and talk with you. How old are you? He said, well, I'm 82. And he said, I'll tell you some things that when you're my age, I said, I never lived to be 82. Well, I'm 84 now, nearly 85. But uh, he shared the office with, with William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. I said, what were the days like? Days like heaven on earth. He said, God, the Holy Ghost came. And he mentioned a certain place which is on the Strand in London. He said, now it's, it's a, a theater. In those days, it's a, a hall you hired. And movies weren't uh, houses and theaters weren't open on Sunday, so you could rent them on Sunday. So he used to rent them Saturday and Sunday. And he said, uh, he said, I've been in that meeting. He said, people won't believe you when you tell them. And then I was, well, that was 1932, so. It's almost 60 years back. And he said, when you tell them, won't believe me. I said, whether well, they believe me or not, tell me. I said, I want to know. I don't care if it puts my nose in the ground. I don't care what you say. As long as you realize that just as you're a link with the past, at my age of 82, I'll be a link with another generation that doesn't know God. So I said, well, I'll tell you what happened. He said, William Booth could preach like nobody else from Jeremiah, the harvest is past, as somebody said it. Oh, his favorite was. And he had a gruff voice, if thou hast run with a footman and they have wearied thee, I will now do in the swelling of the Jordan, fire a volley, which meant say hallelujah, so they all roar hallelujah, you know. And he said, that, but what William Booth could, he could get men trembling, he said. He said, as a matter of fact, you give them a hymn book of maybe 25 pages and they'd sit with it on their lap and shred it while they were 
They were so disturbed. He said, you could see where these men had been. All the back pews were full of shredded hymn books. The same thing happened in 1926. I talked with, uh, I talked with uh, the greatest revivalist uh, Ireland's ever had, W.P. Nicholson. He said, Brother Len, he said, people used to shred the hymn books when we listened. They were under conviction. They were so nervous. And sweat would run off the noses. Not that it doesn't happen anymore. Anyhow, going back to this, he said the old William would preach hellfire boys and he could make you shake. And he said, but he couldn't make an altar call. So he would say, now come to the mercy seat, come to the mercy, come run for your life, you're going to hell. And he couldn't get anywhere. So he'd, he'd shout out, where is Lawley, where is Lawley? Well, Commissioner Lawley was one of the stalwarts for the Salvation Army, like Brengle. And he said he was under the platform. And it come out, and they used to hand close to each other, you know, like somebody gave me your suit, it would be hanging down on me. And Commissioner Lawley's coat was down to his ankles, but he said it come out on all fours and do this, there'd be a cloud of dust. And then Lawley would begin to make an appeal, you know, come to the mercy seat. And he said the altar would be lined, but sometimes they wouldn't come. He said the general would turn around and roar at us, you know, pray. Boys, everybody looked down and prayed. And usually there's a break, but he said, this day they prayed, and nothing happened. So he said again, pray. And he said, everybody's nervous. Hey, what's happening to the old boy? He's angry, he's angry. Well, let's pray. And he said, Lord, Lord, move right now, move right now. And he said, nobody came. So a third time he'd roar, you know, get hold of God. He said, this meeting is going to go to hell. These people are perishing. Some of them are wealthy, some are poor, some are ignorant, some are backslidden. Pray. And he said, the Holy Ghost would take all the men on the back seat and lift them bodily over the congregation and drop them at the altar. I've said to Pentecostals, you saw that, you'd run for the door, you'd say spiritism or something. I said, but there was an unwritten law in the Salvation Army. They called their churches a corps, you know, like, uh, like the army does, C-O-R-P-S, corps. And uh, it was an unwritten law in the Salvation Army that when you finished your stream meeting at 9 o'clock Saturday night, you go to pray till midnight. And he said to me, we had men that would pray, and one old man in particular would say, he'd jump up maybe at 12 or 1 and raise his hand and shout, victory, victory, there'll be 10 tomorrow. And he said there'd be nine or ten saved. Or he'd say there'd be fifteen, there'd be thirteen or fourteen. He said there was only one or two every time. But he said, remember, we had street meetings, we got baptized with rotten eggs. The, the, in those days, there were no houses with bathrooms. They kept a, uh, a what they call a power pot under the bed, and they'd always empty. And people would run out or throw it from a window and throw urine on them. And he said, we kept two coats. You kept an old one with eggs. And, and you went home and scraped them off, and then you put your Sunday best on. And he said, but, he said, who cares when there's revival? As I said to you, you don't have to advertise a fire. Colonel Brengle was the biggest orator in America, and uh, I don't know who it was, one of the multimillionaires offered to build him the biggest church in America, give him the biggest salary if he would stay. He said, I'm going to London. Why? Because, he said, there's a fire. There's a man called William Booth, who was a Methodist, they got rid of him. And he's having revival, and he went and had revival. And he gathered all kinds of people to him. But the secret again, but they had a burning. You went in a prayer meeting, you, you know, you felt the glory, the majesty of God. And now you don't do that. Like I was with the team not long ago. Well, before the meeting at night, we went in a side room, and they'd hot tea and cold tea and drinks and fruit and everything. 
and trivia talking and straight off there to the platform. How do you suddenly turn off and suddenly become spiritual? We travel the country, but I walk the length of England, I walk the breadth of England with five college fellows. We slept in fields and now we slept in churches. We didn't get a penny wage in six months and nobody ever said a word. Because at night we'd kneel in the street at 10 and 11 o'clock at night and people get saved in the street. You don't care a who where you sleep. We slept in sleeping bags for three years. Slept on the floor of churches, anywhere they'd take us in. But we had revival, the churches are still standing today. But now I go to a meeting and everybody's silly, oh, nice to see you. And they want to talk, I say, leave, leave me alone. Well, we, went, we went, by the way, we had a solid hour of prayer together, 11 o'clock to 12 in the morning. Then we had a bit of a rest in the afternoon and mostly went to prayer. Then we had a prayer meeting one hour before the night service, went on the platform, charged with the power of God and full of expectation and faith. And now by night, the altars were lined with people. We don't do that today. Well, folks, I, as I said, his accent is strong and uh, his voice is elderly and maybe a bit hard to understand at times, but I hope you got his message. And I hope that the passion for revival and the moving of God and the, and the Spirit of God would fall upon us as it had done in times past. And I hope and pray that you'll be challenged, that your heart would yearn and burn for God's moving upon our land. I believe it can happen. I really do. I don't believe God has yet written Ichabod over upon uh, America. I, I wonder a little bit at times there, but I, I don't believe he's abandoned us. I believe there's still hope, and there will be hope if God's people will earnestly seek the Spirit of God to move like this. I believe it can. Well, that's going to be it for today. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.